In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. Betches Media presents. If you feel depressed and if you feel anxious and you feel confused, you know what? Welcome to the club. Gaspacho police. Oh my God. What a stupid son of a bitch. He believes that it's a woman's right, it's a woman's body, and it's her choice. The Betches Sup Podcast. Sayonara, sucker. Hello, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Sammy Sage. And this is the Betches Sup Podcast, where C-SPAN meets the group chat to help you process and laugh at the biggest topics in U.S. news and politics. And today we have a special co-host with us. It is Kelly Leeson, who is running to be the first woman to represent New York State Assembly District 73. And your race is uh, your race is coming up. It's coming up, Kelly, isn't it? It is. Two weeks um, from tomorrow. So it's uh, it's almost here. Yeah, primary season is, it feels real. It's really here. There's so many different headlines swirling around that it's hard to believe, but elections are electioning. Yes, and um, early voting in New York uh, starts on Saturday. So don't forget about that if you want to take advantage of early voting. Yeah, that's important. A lot of our listeners are New Yorkers. We're going to talk to you about uh, a range of topics today. And uh, we were going to talk about Roe. Good morning. It is yet, fortunately, another Supreme Court decision morning where we have evaded a final decision on Roe. We only have so many more of these left. I mean, I wake up on like these Mondays and I think the sun shines a little brighter when we make it past 10 a.m. with our reproductive rights intact. Maybe it will be Wednesday. Maybe it's next week, but not today, gals. Not today. You know, I really we we need to give this this uh, gun partisan bipartisan deal like one minute to breathe i think Agreed. i think we need to be focusing on the hearings which is what i'm focusing on at the moment um and i yeah i would have hated for something that we already knew was going to happen to knock um these other important things out of the headlines because ultimately it all just comes down to like the same people who are going to make the same True. decisions around all of these issues and it and i think it might help to I don't know, communicate how it doesn't really matter like which one you choose to focus on, whether it's reproductive rights or gun safety or democracy. Ultimately, like these all come down to sort of the same thing. Yes, totally. So let's talk about the gun bill because I do think it's important to like give that its its moment. We have, it would appear, a gun bill. <laughs> Supporters say this is the most significant gun control initiative that has a chance of being passed by Congress since President Bill Clinton signed the assault weapons ban in 1994, which famously expired after working extremely well. I feel like we don't talk about that enough. <laughs> that like it's such a good point. This thing, <laughs> like we we did we act like how could we ever possibly even know if banning these weapons would stop shootings? We've got evidence. We've seen it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And in New York, of course, we have slightly we have more conservative gun laws, and I think we've seen the same sort of results, right? Yeah, I mean, there's so many talking points that I think it's hard to focus on one. You know, maybe that that would be sort of you know like the smoking gun, no pun intended. Oh, talking <laughs> point. 
Totally, totally. But in any case, we have we we maybe are creeping our way back to something like that. So let's talk about what this framework does. It includes funding to help states adopt and set up their own red flag laws, which will allow for crisis intervention orders. Which I, what I couldn't quite figure out is that like, does it force them to? Because you know how we like try to give states all this money to do good stuff, and half the time, mm. list on principle, they're like no. But I guess we're just assuming that this is just too popular not to accept money to you know keep keep pr- troubled people from getting a deadly weapon. So this, of course, would allow family and law enforcement to ask the court to remove guns from people who represent a danger to themselves or others. This is a really positive and has a lot of potential because it already exists in 19 states. It's working and it hasn't faced any huge Second Amendment issues, which is what is, is always the fear. It's always the stick that the other side dangles. So Congress is also really hyping up how this bill includes billions in funding for school security and community mental health clinics, including making telehealth available for families in crisis. So there's quite a lot of focus on mental health, as there always is after after shooting. So I, I want to get to some parts of this legislation or proposed framework that I think are are really encouraging. But before that, I mean, will a telehealth helpline prevent mass shootings? <laughs> You know, I, I, it's, it's good. We should have had it already, but they really seem to be, I struggle with what even to call this bill. Like, is it a gun control bill? Not really. Is it a gun safety bill? Not really. Sammy, how are you feeling about it? It really feels like a very targeted gun mental health crossover, gun safety, Mm -hmm. ex mental health crossover bill. Um, which, you know, I know that there's some, there's a little bit of negativity out there around this bill, um, that it's, you know, it doesn't do some of the most basic things like raising the minimum age, which seems just like such a no brainer, especially when you think about the minimum ages that, you know, we have on Mm -hmm. other things. Um, but I think that it really, there are certain things in it that I think are going to make enough of a difference that um, it's worth like passing and claiming credit for. Yes. Like not only that, but the Democrats should be like, we closed the boyfriend loophole ourselves. Like I, I think that like even that, imagine being, imagine just being someone for anyone who is in a rela- an abusive relationship with a partner who is not their spouse. If if that's me, I would feel a small small amount of comfort knowing that it would be harder for my abusive partner to get a gun. So yeah, well, let's pivot to that. Hey, American Fever Dream listeners, I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift, because now you can use gift mode on Etsy. Gift mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone for any occasion. And it's easy. You just tap or click gift mode in your Etsy app or Etsy.com and then answer a few questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And gift mode instantly gives you a curated gift idea list based on hundreds of personas. Now it is simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a Mother's Day gift for the quilter or a birthday present for the vintage hunter, there is something for everyone on Etsy. Some of my favorite things to do are go to Etsy gift mode and then search absurd things like what kind of gifts do you have with Walter Cronkite on them? What kind of gifts do you have for dachshund owners? There's jewelry, ceramic, toys, board games, all kinds of fun stuff. A gifting moment is always right around the corner, whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you. Gift mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try gift mode on Etsy now. 
That is a really, really notable win is closing the boyfriend loophole. And Kelly, I know you're really knowledgeable on this and how it will affect women and children. I feel like it. we do need to take a minute to, it, it, I guess it can be sort of hard to see like, well, how will this prevent another crazy mass shooting? But women are killed with guns by domestic partners constantly like constantly and it results in you know a mass shooting like pretty consistently so kelly how, how do you think closing the boyfriend loophole how impactful will this be yes i think that's i i think it's so important to bring this up because so many of the times when we're talking about gun violence i think you know i'm out talking to voters all the time a lot of times they're talking yeah. about you know street violence or they're talking about these mass shootings and you know the two areas that don't get as much conversation but are killing you know far more people suicide you know we know over 50% of gun deaths are actually by suicide. Um, and then, like you noted, uh, domestic violence as well. Um, and, you know, just looking at some of the numbers, you know, two thirds of women killed by a partner are killed by a gun. Um, and so, yes, I mean, the things that maybe could have escalated um, just get out of hand mm-hmm. when we're talking about, um, you know, adding guns to the equation. So closing the boyfriend loophole is really, really important for this conversation. And yes, like you said, Sammy, the, um, you know, Democrats should be applauded for getting that finally, finally in there. Um, and if we can get this passed, this is going to be a huge win. And I know there's lots of other things we can be doing, but every little piece that saves lives. So we, we have to be grateful for that. Right. I also think that this does ultimately make it harder for people who have on the record mental illnesses or are at risk to... Yep or have had incidents, maybe those, not incident, every incident is reported, but like we're talking about stopping, think of it almost like the COVID Swiss cheese model. Like that's kind of, I think you could think of it like that, Mm -hmm. like just make sure, just delay. You know, I think a lot of these situations are like people snap. And if you can just like delay their snap, especially people who are under 21 who or under 25, like whatever, I, you know, some of these people who are mass shooters are like 18, 20, you know, yeah. if you just stop that, like that will save families. And, you know, we're just trying to make some progress. I think that's really, and again, we should keep pushing. I also think there's something in the fact that like once it's, once the Republicans have agreed and then maybe potentially get reinforced, maybe they will agree to more. Maybe there's like a snowball effect potentially. I fear the opposite, which is that people will say, this is so minimal that it could allow them to say, well, look, we tried all this and it and it didn't work. Mm. But I don't really think that's because I think this is pretty clear to the average person that I don't think this comes off as like comprehensive gun, gun safety no. measures to anyone. I think it's like I read a headline. I think it was in like Esquire that was like, you know, gun safety is a marathon. This bill, we're tying our shoes. <laughs> we've yes. been running around with our shoes untied and it's really fucking dangerous to live that way. But yeah, it's interesting because notably what this bill does not have that was discussed was was banning assault re- weapons for specifically people 18 to 21 because they are responsible for a lot of these shootings that seem, if not spontaneous, like if this person did not have access to a gun and people around them felt empowered to to stop that. But one thing it does do is that it basically expands background checks to people under 21. It can take a little bit longer and they can get access to more stuff. And by my understanding, this doesn't fully close the Charleston loophole, but it effectively seems to close it for people 18 to 21. Normally, the federal government only has three days 
to get that done. But now it seems like if it takes more time to get records that are protected for whatever reason, like the the the, the, the assumption shouldn't be like, oh, then no problem. Right, like, exactly. like you get a gun. Right. You know, it's like I, I made this comparison already, but it's like when you try to get your medication covered by insurance or a medication that, that could cause any potential side effect that could be harmful, there is a system there to keep you safe. To right. keep you safe. These are things that we already are used to and have norms around. So they're very, they seem very gentle to me. Also, like once you start introducing the idea of delays, I think the delays become normalized. And like, if you think about it, let's say you delay someone getting a gun for like a day or two days a week. That might even give you time to like, Report oh, some shit they wrote on Facebook. They seem to think it works for getting an, deciding to get an abortion. Exactly. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah, that. That's there's like, comparison. you know, maybe they will add like, oh, you, there's a limit on the number of guns that people under a certain age could buy. Maybe they will expand eventually that people under a certain age can't get assault weapons. Like it's possible that mm-hmm. things, because also other things are going to affect this calculus. Let's say when, when, probably Roe does get overturned, that could galvanize people in a certain way. You end up with different lawmakers. You end up with a differently engaged mm, totally. population. And then those people also don't want their, you know, people dying from assault weapons. Like, I think it's possible that like this could maybe just like get the ball rolling. I agree. Yeah. Today's episode of American Fever Dream is brought to you by Newly. Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick, but can't always afford the super high-end stuff? I have a solution for you. It's Newly. Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for the season without breaking the bank. Free your closet of impulse purchases and skip the buyer's remorse by renting instead. Newly is a subscription rental service, and for just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles. They also have inclusive sizing up to 5X, as well as petite and maternity. You get fast, free shipping and returns and professional cleaning and newly state-of-the-art laundering facility. No laundry for you to worry about. This is the best. You just put it back in your box, send it out, and before you know it, you've got your next one. And you always have the option to buy what you love for sometimes up to 75% off. I bought the Rachel Antonoff pasta puffer from them. I was obsessed with it, like everybody who tries it is, and it was completely sold out everywhere else. So I felt like I really, really had an in there. So thank you, Newly. Newly is an amazing value at $98 a month for any six styles. And right now you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code FeverDream20. Just go to N-U-U-L-Y.com. That's Newly with two U's and enter the code FeverDream20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y.com. Newly with two U's with code FeverDream20. Newly subscription clothing rental. Change your clothes. Speaking of new lawmakers, Kelly, I'm wondering, you are representing for New York State Assembly. I'm wondering, you know, how the tenor of of voters' feelings about about gun safety might have changed when they were talking to you after Buffalo, because in New York, we kind of, you know, I guess we feel maybe a false sense of safety, depending on what kind of community that that you live in around guns. Um, We don't, I certainly feel like I'm, you know, my kids might be safer at the school in New York than they would be in Texas. But, but do you feel like that shooting in Buffalo kind of reanimated people and the fact that this, this can happen anywhere? We have open borders across states. And, and what, what did you start hearing from people? 
This has actually been something that's been brought up to me all along um, throughout the campaign yeah, the last six months. Um, you know, the I, I think one of the things that we haven't really talked about is how the pandemic feeds into like all of this. And, when, yeah. you know, when we think about our mental health conversations, they're much different conversations that we're having now. I think, you know, I, I wonder if that also influences the, um, the willingness to talk a little bit more about some of these connections and actually look at mental health more extensively um, when we're talking about some of the gun laws. But for sure, this is one of the top issues that um, that comes up with voters um, are issues around gun safety. Um, and like I said, really in these um, really concerned about um, the mass shootings. And it's, it's coming up all the time and people are so frustrated. And so while here in New York, some great new gun laws have actually just been passed. Uh, but people very, what you've been talking about, people understand that our borders are pretty porous. So we can do a lot more in New York State, but we do need to do a lot more at the federal level. Uh, and people, people are frustrated. People are really frustrated about it. Can you remind me what New York just did? We It was something about we banned the high-capacity magazines or something? Um, yes, there were a number of different pieces of legislation, including um, raising the age from 18 to 21 in New York already. Got it. Um, Got it. And um, prohibits the purchase of body armor. Uh, and also strengthen red flag laws, which is a really uh, big deal here. And they expanded who can actually uh, apply for those red flag laws. Um, and then also looking at the efficacy cool. of micro-stamping, which is, you know, kind of in the weeds. Um, but, you know, also we know one of the challenges is that we don't have enough information, public health information around gun um, gun safety and gun violence. Um, so that's a good kind of step in the right direction to improve um, some research on these issues. It is great to hear that even states can can do the age difference thing, because like Sammy said, like, even if I if I'm a agitated young man who feels like he has nothing to lose. Well, even if I have to drive a couple hundred miles to get a gun, like it's, it's that kind of like, you do have to interrupt that, that moment for people. And unfortunately that can't always be done just with mental health resources. Like you literally have to, you know, ensure that people do not have access to these weapons to, to have a spontaneous reaction. I also wonder if there's a way to make it somehow more lucrative for someone to change the age even above 21 to 25. For example, if you, why is the age to rent a car 25? Because they don't want to pay for your crashes yeah. because you would be more, you're, right. they've found, their actuaries have calculated that your risk level decreases at 25 and they don't want their rental cars crashing. So no one between 20, you know, 18 and 25, even though legally you can drive, can rent a car because they don't want to pay for your fuck ups. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. is if there were a way to maybe make it so expensive for, I don't know, mm -hmm. maybe the person who sold the under 25 year old, the firearm that in some states, maybe it's like, that person is liable for selling it to some, maybe it's like illegal to sell to someone over 25 or under 25 and that becomes really expensive of a liability. And like that becomes a way to protect people. I mean, that seems so obvious. Like, that should be a thing. It just shows that when there's money behind it, people will make the rule. Right. Yes. And there was just legislation passed in, again, like at the New York level in New York uh, about being able to hold gun manufacturers accountable, um, which is you know, yeah. unique. Uh, and so, again, like where states can lead on some of these issues. And yeah, so I think we can see whether this is going to work or yeah. not uh, in terms of really yeah. holding people accountable. And then again, if there's money on the line, maybe finally some um, action will be taken. 
Yeah, I read a headline over the weekend that I admittedly did not read into that said that like Geico had to pay a woman like $3 million because she got an STD having sex in a car. So it seems like gun manufacturers should be held, held, held accountable. But before we move on to our next topic, I did want to share why this has taken so long to address because it's so obvious. The NRA has previous, this is just so rich, has previously argued that closing the boyfriend loophole could allow women to lie about abuse to take men's guns away. First of all, go off. That sounds like a good lie to me. That sounds like a white lie. But second of all, nobody's doing that. Mm-hmm. Nobody is doing that. Did like imagine just like an anti, like vigilante anti-gun group of gals that like go around making men fall for them just so they can like report them. It's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. And advocates have worked to close this loophole. I mean, Shannon Watts this morning was just pointing out like, you know, I, I needed to read this today. She sort of was making the point that to dismiss this law completely is to dismiss something that could really save women's lives. And, and so just important to make, to make space for that. These laws work. Other states have them. And since 1998, the FBI reported it has denied more than 200,000 sales to domestic abusers. And that's not just 200,000 sales. I mean, when, when you think about how so many mass shootings are perpetrated by people that have a history of domestic violence, whether or not it was like reported or in the system or not, like you're not just potentially stopping that weapon sale. You're potentially stopping, you know, another, another instance, um, like we saw. So I think that I said, it sounds like we sort of have talked and addressed how we're, how we're balancing our frustration about how balance, how basic this is with, you know, some, some really real victories. But my final question on this topic is, do we think public outcry really moved the needle here? Yes. I think so too. Yeah. I mean, I can't think of any other reason. Um, that's very true. <laughs> like, I, I literally can't, um, <laughs> not out of the goodness of their hearts. That doesn't come to mind. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that NRA thing sounds like it was uh, that NRA boyfriend loophole bullshit sounds like it was brought to you by the people who ran the Amber Heard campaign on TikTok. Mm-hmm. Totally. You know, I mean, that just sounds like total bullshit. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Also, I wonder if this will cause more people to report things because it's like, OK, well, actually, oh, there's wow. a consequ- there's yeah. a there's like something that can be done if you do report, because I think a lot of times there's a sense of like, why would I report this if nothing's going to come of it? Mm-hmm. And now there's at least like, okay, well, I better get it on record for, you know, yes. to so that there's now like a prevention tech, yeah. you know, and hopefully a disincentive for for boyfriends not to be people their their spouses. Like I'm sure it's very quite a permission structure to say like, no, it's gonna nothing's nothing's gonna happen me to me just because, you know, and these laws are like. To the extent that this matters, like people do wait slightly longer to get married if they even bother to get married. I mean, romantic partners of the same gender until recently could not get married. So I've read that some Democrats are a little bit jarred that this that this was actually able to get done. But like you said, Sammy, these are such obvious things to voters that like I don't I don't really know how you object to them. Next, we will pivot to the January 6th hearings. Wow. So fun. Luckily, we didn't have to talk about the fall of the fall of Roe today. But um, are your are your are voters you're talking to? Have they been engaged with this as well? I have to say this comes up a lot less um, than the gun violence issues. I, I think it's more totally. I think the January 6th is more just the overall the overall picture of our democracy. It's more like more general in terms of there's so much that it's messed up. How is government working? Where you know, things are so fragile. It's more in that rather than specifically around January 6th because people are concerned concerned about the direction the country is going. Right, right, exactly. So last Thursday became 
the first of a series of public hearings of the January 6th committee detailing the former president's calculated attempt to overturn the election result to stay in power and his role in sending a violent, angry mob to the Capitol. So it's been a few days since the first hearing last Thursday. We don't record on Friday. So it's been summarized and dissected quite a bit. So today I think we can focus on any general impressions and impact. About 20 million people watched it. And for context, that's about half as many watched the Biden's State of the Union recently, but about the same number that tuned into the Brett Kavanaugh hearings. I personally was surprised that that many people watched. What, what, what about you guys? I was surprised too. I'm pretty sure that's more than The Bachelor, which is- It's a lot. Wow. Exactly. But I think like, I'm going to double check these numbers. I mean, an episode of The Real Housewives gets like a million. So Yeah, that's a lot. And granted, people might not have known they were going to turn on their TVs at 8 p.m. and see the hearings, but they did. Well, I think in this era, that is a lot of uh, a lot of people to be watching one thing at the same um, time. Yeah, that's like a succession finale. Uh, yeah, and I think it was good. Um, the first hour, I think, was boring to me because, but I think if you weren't like attuned, it was less boring. Um, if you weren't oh, like paying attention, sure. the first hour was less boring. You mean paying you, attention like, to developments prior to? Yeah, if you. Yeah. If this was like the first you were thinking about the insurrection in like a few months, the first hour was more uh, fruitful than, mm -hmm. and then the second hour was really intense. Um, the video they showed, um, Liz Cheney, I think was especially effective. Don't make me be like, I you know. know, I know we're talking <laughs> about Liz Cheney. Cheney. Look at the end Stan of the day. Yeah. Look at the end of the day. Like this woman has more to lose. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, by doing what she's doing than any Democrat. And, um, you know, she's a wealthy woman. She doesn't need to do this shit. You know, she doesn't need to be elected. She doesn't. Uh, so I just wonder like, yeah, maybe it is self-interested. So like she can be president, but like also I'd rather that than live in a fascist society, mm -hmm. um, like a true fascist society. So um, for her, she just, you know, her potential political ambitions and, and being on the right side of history in this have have aligned. But I watching her too was kind of like, oh, she's yes, she's not scared. She's not scared. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, well, she's fucking Liz Cheney. Would you be scared if you were raised by Dick Cheney as your dad? <gasps> like you have ever, like no one's going to fuck with you until and now she's like, what, like 55 and it's the first time she's ever been fucked with. Like, OK, so <laughs> she has enough practice. I also th what they're trying to show and what they show. I think pretty effectively through all of these clips of people who are like Donald's allies is that everyone told him he lost and he knew he was that he lost and he still did it. And then I think that what the second other than once, you know, that once that's like established, the second most interesting piece is that I think that the mob People think of like, oh, he set a violent mob on the Capitol. I actually think the, the mob was cover for the actual military attempt at a coup. Like he had the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers and these like white nationalist militias. They were the actual coup. They actually were going in there with the intent to like kill Nancy Pelosi and Mike Pence and yeah. the other people were set dressing to make it seem almost 
like an accident, like, like unserious, mm-hmm. like a chaotic, angry mob. But they, those people were cover. Think about those, the, the regular MAGAs, mm-hmm. like the Jenna woman from Texas who came in her private jet. Like those people were like the Trojan horse and the Oath Keepers and the Proud Boys were the ones inside the Trojan horse. And they just happened to not be able to kidnap any lawmakers. Mm-hmm. But right. that was really the intent to like, physically stop the certification. So those two women who took the votes were like literally fucking saved us all. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> and and uh, I think that that's one of the most interesting pieces that like, it flip it in your mind. Like it wasn't these like random MAGA mob. It was, they were cover for the military militia people. It's fucking crazy. Yeah. And, and did you both feel that they were effective in being able to? Sorry, I'm on your podcast asking you. Um, yes, please, no, no that's, please right. that's the point. Um, yeah. But in terms of being able to also set the stage that, like, this did not just, it didn't just happen, but it is still happening. I think they do that by repeating it over and over again. Mm-hmm. But I do think that is just such a hard thing for people to understand, like, beyond, like, we voted him out. So I think they mm-hmm. need to be a little bit more specific about what can and should happen. But I know they try to be like deferential to the justice department and the justice department is trying to be deferential to, to them. But like the specific danger of Donald Trump, I think is getting across. What do you think, Sammy? I think so too, but I worry that DeSantis is slipping right through the cracks in this. Mm -hmm. That's number one. Um, I, that's, that's the first thing. So like maybe you could end up with like a DeSantis versus Cheney, you know, 2024 oh, situation. No, I'm, mm-hmm. that's like really <laughs> predicting. Um, that's what I'm thinking. I think you might be like margin. I think we might, this might effectively marginalize Donald Trump. And like, I would, I, yeah, that would be lovely. Mm-hmm. Cause also late last night, it broke like a late breaking story at like, I don't know, 11 or something, or I don't know. I might be wrong that the DOJ, there's apparently enough evidence that the DOJ could yeah. pursue criminal charges against Trump, but but the committee is not handing over the, the materials until after the hearings. And I think that will be in like the fall maybe. Mm-hmm. So that is not even going to like get rolling until midterm time. Mm-hmm. And I mean, who knows that could end up marginalizing DeSantis a little bit. Ultimately, I think we don't really know. I kind of hope it does. Cause I think what one thing to watch is watch if DeSantis sticks with Trump throughout the hearings as Trump's uh, Trump's image evolves Mm -hmm. and basically that how that aligns. So that'll be fascinating. And the reason why I was asking is because, you know, being out talking to voters all the time, I can see just the general frustration and frustration, but also just. A frustration that they're apathetic in some way. Not apathetic. I don't want to say apathetic. Yeah. Like, just so frustrated. It's like, it doesn't matter. Let me say that. Like, it doesn't matter anymore. And, you know, we're in, and it's like, well, we got rid of Trump and still it doesn't matter. And so let me check out. Exactly. Um, and so I, I, I cons- I'm concerned that they're going to, like, make the case against Trump, but then not be able to set the stage for it. But this is still happening and we have to manage it going forward because it's not done. We're not over. Yes, yes. I, I've been trying to focus on about how it's less like is every single hearing like a blockbuster. Everybody's fascinated and more like 
they need to happen. Even me, I find myself impacted by, you know, we've been talking for months about how this person testified in front of the committee and this person wouldn't. And, you, you know, you don't really know what that means. But when you can actually visually see it and you visually see, okay, Jared is on a Skype, is on a Zoom with Liz Cheney. And then you can register, okay, that Mark Meadows is refusing to even do that. I feel like having it all happen and then being able to reference that, put it in campaign as if you want, is still important, even if like, you know, the two hours at a time are not like, you know, like sitting through, you know, Top Gun Maverick. Yeah. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> this could be like a very short term opinion, but like this is maybe wish maybe it's wishful thinking, but maybe the short term trifecta of one, the the actual mm. sort of effectiveness, the fact that we got Republicans to actually agree on a bill that they're maybe going to put up for an actual vote and pass the on guns, number one. And that was driven by the electorate, clearly. Yeah. Two, the, these hearings that are like people, it's whether or not it's going to be like blockbuster, it's percolating in some way. And we're going to yes. see, I think we have to see what they have, but they, you know, they're hyping it that it's like, you know, the most dramatic season ever. So, you know, hopefully they live up to that. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, um, and then totally. three is, if Roe is going to come out yeah. in two weeks, a week, two weeks, whatever happens, that is going to make people fucking crazy. So, like, <laughs> yeah. if you have all these things, mm -hmm. I think maybe, like, there could be some sort of shift with because of that. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, people are already, like, more engaged than they ever were residually from 2020. Mm -hmm. So... And seeing results of that engagement, which I think people have been so desperate for since January 20th, 2021, is just invigorating. And I think mm -hmm. these people think like, okay, at least at least we got that. So we're ending another episode. I know I am quite activated, a little mm -hmm. angry. Uh, Kelly, you've chosen to act on that by by running for office. So tell us how you came to that decision. What were you? Were you a politician before? How did you? What path took you here? <laughs> Definitely not a politician before. Um, okay. I actually come to this from um, an international career. I worked in global refugee oh, issues cool. for um, most of my career, wow. um, all of my career, uh, and so it's really you know speaking about January sixth, our democracy, all of that. That is really kind of foundationally what inspires mm. me. Is I've worked in places where systems have failed and where democracies have failed. Uh, and so I am just, uh, you know, just holding on to our democracy and want to be part of a vibrant democracy. And that's part of what inspires me to run. Um, and since moving back to New York uh, nine years ago, I've increasingly gotten increasingly involved in state level issues, you know, moving from national level to state level and just seeing that while we can be frustrated at the national level, there's a lot we can do at the state level. So I want to move beyond shaking my fist on the outside and getting in there to take action myself. That's so, you know, I feel like I hear that over and over again, and it's so hard to actually act on. But but hearing you say that like a decade ago, you decided to prioritize that. And have you felt like, have you felt that being engaged more at the local state level has felt a little bit more rewarding and fulfilling than just kind of like doom scrolling about how nationally nothing can get done? Absolutely. Absolutely. In 2018, um, did a lot of electoral work and got some really great people. You know, that's yeah. the thing when you can see the people, you meet them and you see how inspiring they are. Then you're like, oh, just good, regular people run for office. And like that's inspiring and we can get things done. And that could be me too. Mm -hmm. And where can people find out more about you and the race that you have coming up? Yes, go to Kelly for Assembly, Kelly with an IE, kellyforassembly.com. All the information about the election is there. Mm -hmm. 
New Yorkers, New Yorkers, the primary is the 28th and Kelly might be running in your district. Yes. East side of Manhattan. East siders. Check into yeah. it. Also, before we leave today, we have to give a shout out to our beloved SUP family member, Brian Russell Smith, who got married in Spain over the weekend to his now husband, Antonio. Looked gorgeous. Can't wait to hear all about it. We're going to have to have him on a special. I'll make him. He's so busy, but I'm going to make him come on the SUP and, and basically repeat everything he says on the Brides podcast. But <laughs> they're such a wonderful couple. It was such a beautiful wedding and he's just the best. So congratulations, Brian. I know my, I was watching the stories and like my hand was on my heart. I was like, Oh, they're so cute. I know they're like just so freaking cute. I remember when they started dating and like he came to like our events. Antonio's like, the it's best. so nice. He's such a nice guy. So we're really happy for them. Send them, send Brian and Antonio nice DMS. If you yeah. feel compelled to engage with their content, that's all that anyone wants anyway. exactly yeah. <laughs> thank you so much kelly that's our show for today until the end of democracy i'm amanda duperman i'm sammy sage and this is the betcha sub podcast bye-bye the betcha sub podcast is produced by amanda duberman jorge morales pico and sean kilby editing by jorge morales pico social media by amanda duberman be sure to follow at Betches underscore SUP on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send us your emails to SUPPod at Betches.com. Betches.